Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 329, The Shocker. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Sam and Eddie. Well, Eddie, I kind of want to start with you. How does it feel seeing Italy blow another match and having to wonder why couldn't it have been in the finals? Of we the shouldn't have encouraged like- him. We shouldn't have encouraged it. <laughs> For listeners, we do a very limited pre-podcast uh, sort of preparation i guess would be the correct word and we kind of go over a skeleton schedule of what we're about to discuss we agree that we were not going to bring up the nation's league but i guess it's the first topic of the day look it's mildly it's mildly upsetting to see that since the euros they're the team we thought they were they are who i thought they were can I slip that into a football discussion now? But yeah, look, it's, yeah, it's a little bit upsetting. And obviously France had a fairly impressive second half comeback as well again today against Belgium, which good for them. I think it sets up in some respects, the least compelling final we could have imagined, which is France against Spain, a team we know are quite good when they turn up. I guess a team who we know can be good when everything works right. It would have been more interesting to see Belgium in there because they're trying to prove themselves. But Sam, you haven't spoken the entire podcast, so I'll let you. I'll let you step in because because I gave all my comments pre in the preparation bit, so we're done now. I'm just repeating it. But yeah, um, Sam, do you have an is- interesting fact about when Italy last lost at home? Bunny, you should mention that. I do. It was 1999 when Italy last lost a competitive fixture at home. Now, look, preparation, we unpack that, right? And it may not seem that impressive, but I'm pretty sure the run is like 37 games. Now, look, competitive games also mean like Andorra, San Marino. They're going to be the easy games in there, right? But it was the longest home kind of uh, consecutive record that's now been broken. It's It's not a bad record. I want to be clear. It's not bad. And most of the major European nations will have lost to home qualifiers against inferior or probably let's just limit it to inferior nations in that time period. That being said, it's not like they've hosted a home major tournament since 99. So you are talking exclusively uh, Euros and World Cup qualifiers. So they've not played many major nations in competitive matches at home it is very much a frank stat it's one where on the face of it it sounds better than it is but how about how about this how about this stat eddie italy will be the first team to win the euro and not qualify for the finals of the subsequent uefa nations league the UFA? <laughs> what, 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 Hamburger? What? I, I, haven't, I haven't heard of that particular Am- confederation. Am- is that Hamburger? near Europe? <laughs> I just didn't realize that we were having the, the pink Ufl. panther. 
<laughs> wanted to give an Italian flair to it. <laughs> wow, you failed. You failed. <laughs> so hold on. The subsequent... Oh, because it's only happened once. It's because Portugal... Yeah, it's the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, because Portugal made it to the Nations Final, the Nations League Final after winning, the, which is more... That's the more interesting anecdote than the fact that Italy have failed to do so. They're the first team to fail to do so. Yeah, sure. I'll tell you what, this was a much better Nations League than the first one, though, right? Because the first one had England, Switzerland, Portugal, and the Netherlands. And then you got this one with Italy, Belgium, France, and Spain. Well, so I mean, definitely better matchups. I guess. The quality of the nation league, nations league, gets more proven by how those nations do over the next eighteen months. So you could argue that the nations league had England in the semifinals, who subsequently made the finals of the Euros. That is better than if France had made it and then, you know, were knocked out by Switzerland in the knockout stages. So. Do you think do you think Belgium will care that it's kind of another trophy that they haven't won with this golden generation? Like, look, it's the second, well, it's the third tier one, right? That they can win. You got, you got I think the it's Euros, on a tier. You got the World Cup, you got the Nations League. It's not even on a tier, the Nations League, but I don't think they'll care that they didn't win the tournament. I do think they'll care that they blew a two nil lead to France. I do think they'll think they were totally on top of a match. And France managed to come back. And I think that you'll just, France are sowing seeds in the back of the minds of the Belgians about which team is better and which team can hold a lead and which team can come back. And I think that will bother Belgium more. There you go. You got the Nations League in, Frank. All, all that half an hour pre, pre, pre prep, that's weird. All that half an hour preparation, we finally got it out there. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Got him. <laughs> Eddie, anything to talk about from your side? <laughs> well, I mean, the big talking point for football, right, is the fact that a group closely associated with the government of Saudi Arabia is buying Newcastle United. It looks as if the deal will go through. Interesting because part of the process has had to be that the group has had to disassociate itself with the government itself, which is obviously because of the human rights infringements that the Saudi government is accused of having committed, including, obviously, discrimination against women, against homosexuals, also the persecution of journalists. I mean, just across the board, not a great look as a, as the Premier League trying to promote, you know, I mean, and look, we all know where this money is coming from. I find this a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. I don't know how much I can buy into a group of footballers t kneeling before the start of a football match, but also knowing that one of the 20 teams participating is owned from a group that would be very happy to murder 20 to 30% of them if they happen to say the wrong thing or encourage their wife to drive or sleep with someone of the opposite gender. So... Not a great look for the Premier League, not a great look for UEFA, not a great look for world football. Also, also, like, 
it actually seemed that obviously all of those things and the disassociation with state ownership mattered, but it was something to do with like sports broadcasting rights as well, right? Because this B in sports that's Qatari owned had a massive issue with the way that the Saudi Arabian kind of networks yeah, hosted so Premier League football like illegally. So they were kind of suing them really. So B in sport, sport, which you're correct, is a Qatari owned sports, well, Qatari owned broadcaster was banned from broadcasting in Saudi Arabia. They had a long-standing dispute over the fact that the Saudi authorities were turning a blind eye to illegal streams. And so seemingly in a deal, we will obviously not be publicized the details exactly of what agreement they came to. The Saudi authorities have agreed to shut down these illegal streams and also allowed BN Sport to start broadcasting in Saudi Arabia. The whole thing just leaves me with feeling so uncomfortable about the deals that are made like football sports in general if you want the purity of sports that was gone 70 years ago right the idea that you just had the local family done good who bought their sports team and really cared passionately about it and poured money into it and everyone who played for it really cared about it we are well and truly done with any thoughts of that. That being said, there is a massive distinction between not liking the Glazers because they don't really care about Manchester United and they just want to make a profit with allowing a Premier League club to be bought by a quasi-governmental entity who is at the same time supporting anti-homosexual, anti-women policies in their own country and that to yeah. me just newcastle players i don't want to see it take the knee i don't want to see premier league players take the knee in general and again i'm not someone who was against that when it started with it's just the hypocrisy of allowing that to continue when you're also allowing this action to be taken i mean if you're a premier league player who wants to re- make a real statement refuse to play for against newcastle if this deal goes through that would be the stronger statement. I, I actually agree with kind of how strong the sentiment is there because what who in their right mind thinks that this has actually been legally disentangled from the Saudi government? Like, of course it hasn't. It's just legal shell companies and husk entities and whatever and going through 50 different people through 20 different islands 29 different companies whatever who gives a shit but it's all going to come back the revenue's coming from somewhere they'll do what kind of man city and psg did initially where they kind of fudge the way that marketing money spent they'll do whatever they can to get it through and that's why i agree with you on the kind of integrity of this that I mean, what, St. James's Park, we're going to have women buried up to their neck, stoning them at half time. Is that going to be the happenings now? I mean, in you fairness, know. we're talking about Newcastle, so that might have been going on anyway. But, but. but it's the selling out of the, the... What I hate is that every single Newcastle fan is saying, like, thank God Ashley's out, ushering the start of a new era. Like, Shearer tweeted it as well. He was like, now we can finally move on. And it's like, do you do you really think your club's not lost any of its kind of, like, soul? from this deal with the Saudi Look, Arabian Alan Shearer government? can go and 
go and sit on it as far as I'm concerned, because he's someone who's made a career out of trying to tell people that he was so determined to return to Newcastle after his stint at Blackburn. And the reality of it is he would have gone to Manchester United in a heartbeat if Jack Walker hadn't said, I'll sell you to anyone other than Newcastle United. So Alan Shearer has fundamentally spun the last 30 years of his life out of a massive lie. He may as well double down, and I'm sure he'll make tons of money out of being the hometown face of this new Saudi regime. So look, it is what it is, and I'm happy. Alan Shearer, if you disagree with me, come on the podcast and have the balls to discuss either of those topics, and we'll go for it and you'll lose. You won't hear it, but you wouldn't do it even if you did. But here's the thing. Is. Now, you you talked about opposing players kind of standing up and saying they don't want to play. Do you think there's any chance or momentum that could happen if they pulled like a Sam from Ted Lasso and the, the Newcastle players themselves all said we're not playing and just kind of lay down the jerseys and refuse to go out? I don't think any of those players will do so because they don't have high profile enough players to be able to make that kind of statement. Now, there is some precedent, obviously, within Newcastle. Newcastle are actually one of the few clubs who have had a player in the past refuse to have a sponsorship deal because of his religious beliefs, where he they had a gambling group on there uh, as their main sponsor, and he refused to wear it. So... There is some precedent within Newcastle players themselves. I don't think you'll have any major issue of that. They'll know that this is there. And I don't blame them to a certain degree. This is the biggest payday they could have ever seen coming, right? If you can hang around to get a new contract, you're definitely looking at a massive raise. So more power to you on the individual basis. And we we shouldn't criticize them on those grounds. But just as a whole, the fact that the Premier League itself, which is supposed to have these tests that ownership groups go through the fact that they've said okay you have proven that this is no longer directly this will not be a owned directly by the saudi government itself where is the money coming from where is this group where is it found stumbled just stumbled across billions of pounds i mean it's asking us to all believe as if we're just complete morons enabled in order to accept the deal that's gone on and I mean, look, I can understand Newcastle United supporters wanting to see the back back of Mike Ashley. I can understand also Newcastle United supporters thinking, look, money is going to roll in. We're going to be like PSG, no different to Qatar being there. And they're right. We accept PSG and Qatar. What's the difference with Newcastle United and Saudi Arabia? Not a lot, but I don't, I don't love PSG and Qatar. So I'm only applying the same standard. It's just a new moment and it's a new league deciding to accept that level of investment. And I mean, look, you can make the same comments with Manchester City. It's just, these are very direct ties to a government that has done a number of awful things very publicly. It's not a good look for the league. No, it's pretty bad. And the PIF or whatever the main overarching kind of company, you know, what is it? Like 350 billion that they can just kind of not call on. They can't just, pump it in like that but also i just think this is like a soft power pr exercise by the saudi government to be like oh well we passed your premier league checks look how look how legitimate we can be with our purchases and look how sensible we can be with external companies and organizations but remember it's happened in the premier league it's happened with clubs below if they don't see not a profit they don't care about the money they will sink man city don't turn a profit but if it becomes fickle, if it becomes pointless, and if they don't care anymore, 
Newcastle collapse because they won't be able to sustain what this club will do for years to come, which is inflate wages, pay over the odds to get the right kind of people, have ridiculously man- manager signings where they just come six months. They don't put them in Europe, so they're gone. I I would be very, very careful here if I was a Newcastle fan, because if they get bored, it's it's over for the club. Oh, it might be a case of better the devil you know. you know. And Mike Ashley's been a, been a bad owner, but he hasn't been. I think Newcastle United fans don't appreciate how on the scale of, and I've supported a team that's had, I support a team that didn't even know you could get relegated. Mike Ashley on the grand scheme of things, on the spectrum of bad ownership, he's not been that bad. And at least he genuinely cares about football. You can say whatever you want about him. He cares about the sport. Yes, he's a Chelsea supporter. Yes, he would have rather bought Chelsea. Yes, he's been linked to another of, uh, a number of other purchases, including Ipswich Town. We had the owner of Ipswich Town. I saw that. I was going to, we should reach out for comment. And and similarly, right, the, um, we had the, the group that then subsequently bought Ipswich Town. Rumored, he admitted, had looked into buying Newcastle United previously. So it's a little bit of an ins- a big incestuous mess as to who's owning who. But yeah, look, they won't care. If And Newcastle are by no means safe this season. And if they go down, they will not care one bit about owning a championship group. And you're right. It's just yeah. a PR stunt for them. It's just a massive bit of advertising that they can have of playing in the Premier League week out, week in, week out. They can have whatever visit Saudi or whatever it is they're going to put on the shirts and St. James's Park is going to be St. Saudi Park or whatever they whatever it is they're going to do to them. What makes it even worse is that they're firming the sleazy, they're following, and I don't mean this, it sounds very misogynistic, right? But they are following that kind of sleazy Birmingham City, West Ham route of where they had Karen Brady and now you have them with a sort of semi-attractive woman as the face of all of this. And it's just as if we're going to, oh, well, because a bunch of sleazy tabloids are going to want to show her in compromising positions as look at the attractive chairman, chairwoman yeah. of a Premier League club. And exactly the same thing we did with, with Karen Brady. And it's I just, so everything so about it is unappealing to me. I'm glad I'm not a Newcastle United supporter. If I were, I would be done with the club right now. I'm, I've I've already had a couple of conversations with friends about it as well. I'm like, do you really think this is okay? Like, and they're obviously just screaming about the fact, like the end of Ashley and the beginning of a new era. It's like, is this the era you wanted? Is this the kind of like sacrifice of a club that always, always prides itself on kind of like history and ferocity of fans and stuff like that to just have this kind of owner? I just don't understand. You know, I can't remember her name, but she came out and she was like, our backers aren't the Saudi state. Literally, the name of the consortium that bought it is the Saudi Public Investment Fund. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand how the Premier League have looked at all. But what's more, world. right? Nah, what, what percentage? Fine. What percentage of you think Newcastle or the, you know, that area voted pro Brexit? What area do you think the main? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, but they don't like Europeans. Hate the idea. Hate the idea like, of you know they like the thought of the Taliban make their skin crawl. The thought of, you know, the ISIS just want to kind of go all proclaiming they would go to Syria and, and beat them with their bare hands. But as long as the Saudis turn up and, you know, buy Messi, well, then you're fine. That's okay. Um, Mbappe to Newcastle? Who knows? Haaland to Newcastle? 
Holland, no, he's a lead supporter, right? I don't think he would do it, but Mbappe has the spine of a, of a jellyfish, so he'll probably be there in a heartbeat. I mean, not the worst stadium. But you you remember all the criticism Ashley got for calling it the Sports Direct Arena? You know, it's always called St. James's Park. Imagine if they want to rename it now to whatever they want. You know, the, the uh, what's he called? The Crown Prince uh, Bin Al Salman? Uh, I mean, I look, let's, let's also be fair. Yeah, imagine right? if they called it like the arena no, for that. And they're going to be do. like, yeah, but he's got money. It's fine. We do also have to open ourselves up to one element of hypocrisy, which is the three of us appreciate horse racing. Much of horse racing is dominated by unsavory characters associated <laughs> with regimes that we might not be in favor of. So also let's, you know, not throw stones when we know that a sport that we love relies very heavily on many of these people pumping money into it. So, well, the arc, the literally Longchamp is gold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Qatar, though. We've, we've accepted, right? Qatar is, is not as bad. Now Saudi Arabia is having the spotlight pointed on it. But look, it's it's all... I don't love it in the same way I don't love gambling firms being on the shirts of sports teams, even though I'm happy to have a bet. There's all there's all sorts of things where I just wish as a society, sport, I think, should represent. We even spoke about it. It's why I love this England team during the Euros is they, they started to represent a better form of our country, of our society. And... Once you start to allow ownership groups into it where you cannot, you know, I love that the Blackburn Blackburn Rowers as a team live off the Jack Walker legacy of the local boy done good, made his millions, pumped them into the club he loved and did it endlessly even after he died, set up a trust to continue pumping money into it. I'm super proud that I support a club, even though it now has foreign ownership, where that is the backbone of the club that i love if you're newcastle united i just i would feel very hesitant about being on board with this but it is a nightmare waiting to unravel i think yeah but at least they've got like a really sexy well-established manager like steve bruce you know so that's clearly going to continue on right he Do must you know just basically be already packing right steve bruce I don't think he's a great manager and I think he at least has a degree of principles. Now he's not going to walk because he knows that there's no, he's not that principled, right? He's not going to leave millions on the table and I don't blame him for that either, but they're definitely going to get rid of Steve Bruce. They are going to bring in a more appealing, attractive name. And that's also something that would worry me a little bit about if I were a Newcastle United supporter, similar, if I could do the parallels with Blackburn, had Sam Allardyce in charge. Say what you want about Sam Allardyce. He at least knew how the game worked and he at least had a sense of he was not willing to give up on certain principles of the sport. If they just bring in some foreign big name who's just there for the big paycheck, doesn't really care how the club is being run and is just happy to oversee the team so long as the you know, the check's clear on a weekly basis. Really, it's a nightmare scenario as a Newcastle supporter. But we'll see. All right, Frank, what topic do you have next? He's worried about oh, the Saudis taking over something the Giants. To fucking wake me up. Oh, my God. You love it, but... <laughs> Whoa. This better be a good one, though. 
do we just do we just move straight on to the NFL? <laughs> yeah, we can go to the NFL. I mean, Urban Meyer would be a great appointment for them. There's a man with zero principles. <laughs> well, we discussed that last podcast we already. Did. I, I have continued to enjoy. Here's the thing I've I've liked about the the Urban Meyer situation. I like that the fact that many people within the NFL have not been, have been the most upset, not with what he did, but the fact that he didn't take the team flight home. That is the thing they think. <laughs> really? It's, yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. After a loss, you have to be on the plane. He was bumping and grinding. Give him some time. <laughs> Speaking of R. Kelly, it's not going well either. <laughs> yeah. Basically, if your name gets linked to bumping and grinding, career is over. Well, I, you know what? I kind of understand where they're coming from because the fact that Urban Meyer probably is worth, what, $40, $50 million is it's so difficult to take the flight home with your team, soak up the fact you've lost, and then just fly back to Ohio and spend a day or two with your family? Like, why do you have to miss this flight to hang out with your family? You can private jet to Ohio anytime you want. Like, You're not wrong. That being said, there would be a degree of consistency here. If you're telling me that Urban Meyer had denied someone the right to stay, if one of his players had said, hey, look, I'm from Ohio and we're playing this game in Ohio and I could stay here on Thursday night and get back to Jacksonville on Saturday and I don't miss any team activities. Do you mind if I skip the plane? If Urban Meyer had turned around and said, no, you have to be on the flight, then he's hypocritical. However, if he just said, hey, let's introduce an element of practicality into the team policies that we have. And if we play an away game in uh, a city or a region that you're from, and we don't have another game for seven days plus, then stay a night there if you want to. I think more like more power to him like why do we have to stick to policies that were introduced because in the 1970s i never would have done that it's like in the 1970s which place is that who is that supposed to be (laughs) you pick who you want it to be some guy covering the nfl disgruntled 75 year old jacksonville jaguars fan (laughs) disgruntled nfl countdown analyst who taps his super bowl ring on the table while he says it Wait, 75-year-old in the 70s. He was born in 1895. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, pretty old man there. Well, he said 75-year-old man and from the 1970s. No, as in played in the 1970s. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, Or okay. coached in the wow. 1970s. So 75 would be pretty consistent with either of those elements. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we actually, we actually put that together pretty good for neither of us, like, doing the math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apart from you, Sam, because you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> should we go into the pixel? Or Let's do go we have for updates it. from last week? Oh, you want the update of the standings? Yeah, I will provide you with the updates. I like that we do this. Sam and I will now stare at exactly the same spreadsheet. But my but role, Eddie, my role Eddie's is to... role. Eddie's role is to sign off the previous week as I begin the next one afresh. That's how Frank wants it. That's how the viewers get it. <laughs> so, Eddie, sign off the week on the same thing I'm looking at now. So, last Sam, week. stop talking. Eddie, you can yeah, now begin. Exactly. Thank you. So, so Frank, you and I both went nine and seven. Money line last week. I went eight and eight against the spread, but you went seven and nine against the spread. And Sam had the best week out of the three of us. He went 11 and five money line 
and he went nine and seven against the spread. Meaning wow. That, meaning that Sam has taken the lead in both categories on the season standings. He is now 40 and 24 money line. I am 39 and 25 money line. You are 38 and 26 money line. So it's very close. He is 35 and 29 against the spread. You are 34 and 30 against the spread. And I am 31 and 33 against the spread. That doesn't quite add up, but I'll check. Eddie, my... we, can't, we can't do the next picks until you've signed off the week. <laughs> so that should be 30. No, no, that's right. 31 and 33. That is correct. Yeah, that, the math adds up. All adds all right, up to so 64. All adds up to 64 games, which I think is where we're at through four weeks. And uh, if I remember right, all the bets of the week went down. So we'll discuss Frank... the bets of the week in a later at a later point. You are not this the summarizer, Sam. Move us on to the Thursday night pick. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. We'll start week five. So first up, uh, Rams at the Seahawks, and the Rams are two and a half point favorites. So how do people feel about that one, considering um, the Rams getting pretty beat last time out? And yeah, I'll be super quick on this one. I think the Rams are just the better team. I think the Seahawks have been able to put together good halves, I think, in multiple games, but they've yet to put together a good full game. And so for that reason, I think for both teams, this is an important game, right? Because of just how tight the NFC West is. So you can guarantee the Rams are going to see this fundamentally is a must win and i think they're more capable of putting a complete together a complete four quarters so i'll take the rams to win and the rams to cover the spread on <sighs> when i looked at all my picks this week i started to worry about how many of them were underdogs which i guess i'll give you a hint but i mean the seahawks are eight one and two in their last 11 on thursday night games and I still think, you know, Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett are still posting up really good offensive kind of yardage. I I actually think there's something quite tempting in a really competitive division, like you say, Eddie, that it kind of has the ability to maybe throw up some things. And I just think the Seahawks at home uh, kind of as an underdog, there's something I like about that. So I'm actually going to take the Seahawks to win and cover. I'm with Eddie. I'm going to go Rams to win, Rams to cover. Russell Wilson, you know, is the league's highest rated passer right now, but right behind him is Matthew Stafford. So I think offensively, you know, previous years you put the Seahawks above the Rams, but I think this year I think they're neck and neck. And then when you compare defenses, I don't even think it's a comparison. I think the Rams have the much better defense. So I think the Rams will win this. It'll be close because it's in Seattle, you know, and they're going to have that home field advantage like they always do. But in the end, I think the Rams will win. I think they'll cover by at least a field goal. So from one good game to a dumpster fire that the Americans are passing over to London. So it's the first international series over the COVID since the COVID uh, pandemic. And we've got the um, the Jets at the Falcons in, Wem- uh, well, actually at Spurs Stadium, right, in London. So the Falcons are two and a half point favorites. What do you think of this El Clasico of the NFL? I don't think this is that bad of a game. I actually feel like this is, in some respects, a really good early Sunday morning game in that you don't really care what happens, but it could be a lot of fun. 
and that you know the Falcons have zero defense at the same time. They have the capability of putting up a lot of points and moving the ball quickly. The Jets definitely don't have a lot of defense, but last week they showed hints of having an effective offense. I just think I'm going to bet on the fact that the Falcons, I mean, the Jets are one of the worst teams in the league. So I'm going to take the Falcons to win and the Falcons to cover, but I wouldn't exactly say this is one of my strongest bets of the week. Sam, I'm disappointed you didn't call it London town. You could at least be consistent. (laughs) Are you, are you really disappointed? (laughs) Slightly. I thought you were going to say it. I thought Eddie was going to make a face. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of the eye roll face, you know, like, God, this is, this is a game of no defenses. They have two of the worst ranked defenses in the league. The issue is their offenses aren't that much better to make this a super exciting game. It's just going to kind of be who can somehow score more points with the shittier offense or the less shitty offense. Um, The Jets have been outscored by 50 in their first three games before this Titans little mix up here. And I don't think that Titans game is the true indicator of the Jets. I think those first three games are. So I'll go with the Falcons to, to be able to put up slightly more points uh, against the Jets. I mean, you kind of mentioned, I, I, when Eddie mentioned about the um, what the Jets did offensively against the Titans, it was kind of interesting, really. You know, they threw to Corey Davis pretty well, a couple of bombs to him. I, I didn't think it was that bad defensively as well. Um, they, well, until kind of the latter halves of the game, they kind of stopped Henry pretty well in kind of the first half, I'd say. They actually did something productive to kind I mean, of the, stop titans the titans were missing their game. two main wide receivers of course but what i'm saying is like in those matchups they actually showed something that i thought so was just skip good. to it you're gonna you're gonna take the jets aren't you no i'm gonna take the falcon <laughs> what were you doing because <laughs> stop talking because <laughs> my opinion oh wow i just think that if, if the spread was a tiny bit worse off maybe like four i probably would have tried to thread that needle a little bit but i'll take the falcons fascinating Oh, fascinating stuff. Wow, we are really riling through this podcast. All right, I got it. All right, Riley. Broncos. Yeah, well, right. Rally, Next game, right. please. Oh, wow, okay. Broncos <laughs> are the Steelers. Steelers one-point favorites. This is going to be an interesting one, right? Because All right, come on. <laughs> but this is an interesting one. This is a matchup of two things that Frank hates, which is the Steelers and Drew Locke. I mean, in all likelihood, Terry Bridgewater is expected to be out because of the concussion he suffered last week there is a possibility that he will play if he plays i would imagine that this shift will sit this line will shift significantly between what we're seeing now i think you'd see it maybe go by two points if terry bridgewater were suddenly healthy but i'm very interested to see where frank goes it's 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 just literally two things that he could not hate more i do think that this Broncos team was a little bit exposed last week against the Ravens. I think the Steelers' defense is good. And I don't, whilst Ben Roethlisberger is definitely on his way out of the league, I still think he has the capabilities of managing a game in which all he has to do is manage the game. And because of the limitations from the Broncos side at quarterback, I think he'll be okay. So I'll take the Steelers to win and the Steelers to cover. Eddie, you are so right. This this game, for no reason, because I have zero interest in it, has pained me the most on who to pick for this game. Here sits Big Ben, 
clearly past his retirement. Just no one told him that he retired because he's just sitting back there, just getting sack after sack and doing nothing. He currently sits 28th in QBR at 36.3. So to give you some reference, the top 10 QBR is above 60. So he's almost half of what a top 10 score should be. The only people he's ahead of is Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, and Justin Fields. So he's in atrocious company. Oh, hold on. So the only people he's ahead of are the number one pick from last year's NFL draft, (laughs) the number two pick from last year's NFL draft, a very highly (laughs) rated pick from last year's NFL draft. Yeah, I put Davis Mills. It's, yeah, and a guy with an extremely long neck. Look, it's not the worst company to be in in some respects. Can't get much worse. But insert Drew fucking Locke. 6.6 QBR last game. One of the worst in the history of the NFL. But his career sits around 39 or 40. So even he... is historically has played at a better level than Big Ben is playing now. I cannot pick the Steelers to win any more games this year because they right, are people. Whoa, 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 whoa. You think the Steelers will not win another game? <laughs> I think they might forfeit out the rest of the season. This is this is the turning point in the Steelers season right here. It's it's <laughs> If if history has told us anything, this is when things turn around. The Steelers, what are the Steelers' odds to win the Super Bowl? I need to look this up, and I need to put everything I own on it. <laughs> Frank, you are making me reconsider my pick. That's how dangerous your your premonitions can be. The Steelers are currently. I gotta look very low to find them. Is it odds on request? <laughs> A hundred to one. The same winner is the same odds as the winner of the arc. I'm going in. <laughs> it's fate. You can't. You can't not do it now. <laughs> now it's been said. Um, I don't. I don't have too much dissimilar to say to Frank actually though about this. Like, I just can't take the Steelers at the moment. Like, Big Ben just looks so washed up in my opinion. And even if the Broncos have kind of some things going wrong or complicated on their side. I don't think it matters too much. So I'll take the Broncos and win this one. All right, next up, Lions at the Vikings. And the Vikings are nine and a half point favorites. This is such a tough one because it's hard to take Kirk Cousins as a nine and a half point favorite in the NFL. I mean, genuinely, even if he was playing against us, I just wouldn't totally trust it. But... The Lions' inefficiency from an offensive standpoint combined with their inability to stop the other team from scoring points means that I think you have to take the Vikings. So I'll take the Vikings to win. That I feel very comfortable with. I'll take the Vikings to cover the spread. That I like a whole lot less. But I just think I can't take this Lions team with 9.5 points at the moment. Yeah, it's when you watch the Lions play, they're not terrible. They're not of the level of, you know, the Jets or the Texans right now. They have fight. But then when you look at the bottom line, they lost to the Bears by 10 points, and the Bears are not a good team. You know, they lost to Green Bay by, what, 17 points. You, you know, they, 
they're playing close games, but they're still losing by a lot. So I think the spread seems scary because the Lions are a team that can give a good effort. But I think at the end of the day, the Vikings with the points is the safer bet. I don't love it either. And I mean, we every week we talk about how the Vikings are unreliable, but you know, they their record should be a little better than what it is. And I, I still think at the end of the day, they're an offense that can put up 30 points. And I don't know if the Lions can put up 20. I mean, I think you're right before you make your pick, Sam. A little bit of context there, right? Which is they lost to the Bears last week by more than this spread. And the Bears aren't great. And the Bears are now five and a half point underdogs to a team that also lost this week, lost last week by this spread. So, you know, signs are not pointing up for this Lions team. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It was the nine and a half that worried me. But it's interesting that the Vikings didn't actually score after pretty quick after the first quarter last time. So I did kind of worry that is there a slight inability with the Vikings not to score as many points as to kind of blow away the Lions on the 10 point? I'm still a little bit torn by it, but I I think you guys have probably said the same thing that in the end, I think it's safer to take the Vikings scoring than it is for the Lions to keep it close. So yeah, I'm taking the Vikings and to, um, and to cover as well. So next up is the Packers at the Bengals and the Packers are three and, Actually, just straight three-point favorites. I'll be quick. Craziest line. Absolutely craziest line of the week. The Bengals limped past an, uh, a Jag, Jags team where the biggest fo- focus was how soon Urban Meyer could have a random girl grind on his boner. So the fact that they are somehow given any chance against a Packers team that is somewhat decent is absolutely insane. I'll take the Packers all day long and to cover the spread at the same time. You know, according to the DVOA, the Bengals have the fifth best ranked defense in the league. Does <laughs> That might be because just Urban Meyer's dick got in the way of some of the Jags plays. I don't know what was happening last week, but... No, it's 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 adjusted, Eddie. It's It's adjusted, so... Oh, they he's, took he's into got account a, that. Okay, he's he's hung. This is what we're yeah. saying. Urban Meyer is hung. <laughs> it's offense adjusted over the or defense adjusted over the offense they're playing. So they take that into account clearly. <laughs> okay, so Aaron Rodgers not hung. <laughs> I, I mean, this could be the game where the Bengals are found out. But no, I'm no, not no, sure. Sam, the Bengals were found out on Thursday. Let's be clear. The Bengals were found out on Thursday. They scraped by Ajax team. That is absolutely atrocious. Okay, let's call this one a slight personal bias then, because I don't know, there's something about the Packers. They beat the Steelers and the Lions. They weren't really convincing in those. You had that massive anomaly against the Saints that we can ignore, and they edged the 49ers. Like maybe, maybe I don't know enough to think that the Packers are like really good or good or at least competent that they need to beat the Bengals. But I just think Bengals at home, they're competent enough at the moment and they'll go to the pass friendly thing again because Mixon's out. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to take the Bengals. And just snatch Sam, it. the only difference between you and Urban Meyer is that Urban Meyer spent last weekend grinding with some girls. That is the only thing that separates you from an NFL head coach. <laughs> so let's not try and pretend that the Bengals were not absolutely exposed against an awful Jags team on Thursday night. Okay. 
the guys, you two took the Lions against the Bears last weekend. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be okay. Oh, Kitty has claws <laughs> with his picks. <laughs> Kitty. <laughs> well, Sam, I'm with Kitty. I'm going with the Bengals to win. All right, I'm Eddie, oh, I'm with you. Eddie, I, Eddie, I'm oh, over. It's God. over. Packers win. Packers win. They haven't lost a game by more than three points this season. So they're three and one. I think this is the game that the Packers get exposed. And you're going to see that the Packers just aren't that great of a team. <laughs> Hold on a second. Do you know how bad your stat is when you're like, they haven't lost a game by more than three points this year? They've only lost one, so it's not nope. an interesting statistic. <laughs> it's not good. They've also only lost by more than one score twice in the 13 games started and finished by Joe Burrow. So when Joe Burrow is in, they are competitive, and Joe Burrow is in, and he is on. And but will he finish? Packers, the <laughs> Sam will Is that find a out. threat? Is that a threat, Eddie, to Joe Burrow? I mean, if I had those capabilities, I would not be on the podcast. I'd be elsewhere. But yes, that's an open threat to Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, Packers' best cornerback is out. I think Jamar Chase can have a big game, and they're going to come up big here with a win. Love it. I Go love it too. I'm bucks. just, I'm just going to say, I love it. This was week five was about when I took a stranglehold on the picks contest last year. And it's looking like I might be able to do it again. History is well and truly repeating itself. Sam, keep us rolling. <laughs> the games haven't even happened. <laughs> so dolphins at the bucks, bucks are 10 point favorites. Um, bookies think this should be an easy one. What about you two? I'll be quick. I think yes, the Bucks will win. My only question mark is their secondary is so significantly depleted that taking them as ten point favorites as a team that has struggled to put teams away so far this season, minus the Falcons when Matty Ice decided that he would ice the game for them. But I I can't take can't take the dolphins in their current format plus 10 just i think they look so bad i'm going to take the bucks i think part of it will be the bucks reacting to some of the criticisms that have come out of the poor performance against new england and that they'll try and show that they aren't that they're better than they have shown so far this season it's a dumb logic as to why they'll cover a 10 point spread but it's what i believe in I think for me, like when it's pretty hard to take the Dolphins after the last couple of displays, like, yeah, I'm not really sure. The double digit spread kind of concerns me a little bit, but I think, I, I just think the Bucks are better. They can, they can turn it on better than the the Dolphins can kind of stop them. So I'm, I'm going to take the Bucks and cover. Yep. I'm with both of you Bucks to cover. Dolphins have been blown out by the Colts and by the Bills. So I don't think it'll be any different with the Bucks. All right. Speaking of those Patriots, uh, Patriots at Texans and the Pats are nine point favorites. Any, any, any miracles coming from the Texans here? My, yeah. So, I mean, listen, Davis Mills is, he's the next Drew Locke. We can bring up the stat that we bring up every time. 
Belichick is six and one against rookie QBs since 2018. And the scoring average is 30 to 10. So he's got a 20 point spread on rookie QBs. I don't think, I think it's gonna be the same here. Uh, so my only worry is that with this high of a spread, the Patriots aren't a good scoring team. They only average 17.8 points per game. And that's slightly inflated by the fact they put up 25 against the Jets. So you're really looking at a team that averages probably 14 to 15 points per game. And with a spread this high, you know, you have to hope the Texans don't even score a touchdown because the Patriots might not be able to put up that many. But um, I think th- I think they'll I think they'll win and I'll pick them to cover. I'm not super confident because I just don't think they're a good offense. I mean, Frank, you speak as if, oh, you better hope the Texans don't put up a touchdown. Yeah. They didn't manage to do it last week. So this is not a Texans team that is piling up the points. I think the the Patriots are showing encouraging signs of being a team capable of handling the lesser teams. And I think they'll feel confident based on their performance against the Bucks. So I expect them to win. I do agree with you that the spread is a little big for a team that has not scored freely, but they've also played their games in tougher conditions. I mean, a little bit like you're throwing the, you know, the stats from, say, the game against the Bucks in windy, rainy, cold conditions, a little bit different than having to now, now go and play at the Texans. I think the Patriots will win, and I think they'll cover. Yeah, my logic's not too dissimilar. I, th- I think the Patriots are better than the one and three suggests. I think there's more encouraging signs than the one and three suggests, and I just think the Texans are a bit of a complete dumpster fire. So, I again, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the Patriots and to win. So and to cover. Act- uh, Actually, Eddie, Texans haven't scored a touchdown in the last two weeks. So, <laughs> what's to say they're going to start now? <laughs> so basically, you're saying the Patriots need twenty points. Can they score 20? They cover the spread. I think they can score 20. more than their average. (laughs) But I think they can score 20 against the Texans. All right. Uh, Saints at Washington. Saints are two and a half point favorites. Saw an interesting stat that the Saints are in the bottom half of the offensive um, uh, kind of rankings for the NFL, which kind of surprised me considering how often the Saints are usually leading or at least very high in those rankings. Anything from the Washington defense this time around? It hasn't exactly fired, but what do you both think? I think the Washington defense turns up this week. I think this is when we see Jameis Winston return to his normal status as Mr. Pick, and I think Washington wins this game. So I also think their offense has not been bad. As much as Frank loves to hate on their quarterback, you know, I think Mr. You know, what was his nickname? Can't even remember it. Heine, Mr. Heine Heineke. <laughs> no, what was it, Mr. Something to do with the quarantine. But anyway, whatever his nickname was, I think he's looked pretty decent. I have to say, Heineke, and I think that they turn up. Their defense is just good enough to keep them in this game, and this Saints team. They zig, they zig one week, they zag the next, and I'm going to bet that they zag against a pretty good defense. Yeah, I've basically written here, low-scoring offense v. potentially really good defense. Um, that's kind of how I see it. I, so I've got Washington to nick this as well. So I'm taking Washington and to win. 
I'm I'm going the Saints here. I, I'm kind of tired of everyone saying that. Like, where is this Washington defense? Like, this Washington defense should be better. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just not a very good defense anymore. I mean, Chase Young, just maybe he's having a sophomore slump, and that's a quarter of their defense is that pass rush. And without him, you know, maybe that's what they are. They're letting up 30 points a game. It's terrible. They're one of the worst defenses in the league, actually. So uh, on that regard, I think the offenses are pretty similar. I think Winston is a better quarterback than Heineke. So I think the Saints have the better offense. And right now, I think the Saints have the better defense. So for me, um, you know, you're taking the team that's better on both sides of the ball, and that's the Saints. All right. Uh, Eagles at the Panthers. Panthers are three-point favorites. I mean, to be fair, I don't really have much on this one, so I don't mind going first. I, I just don't I don't have too much to say about the Eagles. I don't have too much to say about the Panthers, but I just think the Panthers are a little bit more effective than the Eagles. Um, I don't really like the Eagles, to be honest, so I'll take the Panthers into cover. I won't take the Panthers until I know Christian McCaffrey is playing again. He's limited at the moment. It's unclear. I think even if he does play, it's obviously not going to be as involved as he is, and he basically is their offense. So as just as a fundamental rule, I don't care who they're playing. I'm gonna take any team against the Panthers until McCaffrey is back. So I'll take the I'll take the Eagles and I'll take the points. Yeah, I thought wow, I thought I was gonna be the only one here. I thought I was gonna be doing the shocker pick, but I'm gonna go with the Eagles. I think they are one and three, but they could be a little better. And they had a tough stretch. You know, they played the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. That's a that's a tough three games to play. I'm exactly with Eddie without McCaffrey. I don't think their offense is very dynamic. And now their defense, which started off good, they lost JC Horn in week three, Shaq Thompson in week four. So they're losing all their defensive players. Um, This could be a bump for the Eagles. They win. And now people start saying that the Eagles, oh, maybe they are good. Like we thought in week one, but they're really not. I just don't think the Panthers are that great either. Don't worry, Frank. This can still be our shocker pink shocker pick. I'll stick two in the pink. You stick the one shocker. in the stink, and it can still be our shocker pick of the week. <laughs> well, we got a name for the podcast. <laughs> so, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me, no other way around. Damn it! I tried to inherit that, and I got it wrong. Here we are. We've got the Titans at the Jags, and we've got an enticing spread on the Titans again at four and a half point favorites. Are you going to be taking them again at an enticing spread, Eddie, and um, kind of beaten up after their loss to the Jets? Or do you think the Jags won't turn up and keep it close? I'm a little bit concerned just because of their lack of depth at wide receiver, and it still seems as if a lot of those options will be out. So I think they're going to have to rely pretty heavily on their run game which whilst it's the backbone of their offense, you still need other options out there to allow for that to be the most effective, well, as effective as it can be. But they'll know the importance of this game. They cannot lose to back-to-back rookie quarterbacks, back-to-back bag teams. It's a divisional game. They, they genuinely can. The Titans cannot afford to lose this one. From the Jags' standpoint, it seems like they're falling apart from everything from a a tepid second half against the the Bengals to the Urban Meyer fallout. It's just hard to imagine that many people, and when you hear everything, all the reports coming out of their camp, it is a little bit that Urban Meyer as the 
head coach slash CEO is losing a lot of respect from the team for the way that he has not actually implemented a lot of the standards he has tried to enforce and that he is inconsistent in those respects and obviously grinding with a random girl in a bar in southern Ohio is not helping that fact. So I think this could be one of those games where the Bengals try and make sure Urban Meyer is out the door as quickly as possible. And I expect the Titans to win and the Titans to cover. Yeah, not too dissimilar to you on that logic. I think, um, you know, we kind of got fooled a little bit by that tempting line last time. It's kind of tempting again, but I, I think this one is... Uh, the Jags are just in complete free fall at the moment. And I think the Titans realize the importance of this game. I, I, I've got the similar stats and the similar thought process. So yeah, I'm taking the Titans to cover as well. I was originally maybe thinking Jaguars here, but I don't know if you guys saw the recent report, the Tennessee Titans cheerleading team just added three new blonde cheerleaders to start this week. So I think that distraction alone is going to get Urban Meyer a little off his game. And because of that, I think the Titans are going to win. How, did that actually happen? Was it actually no. reported that they added three blonde cheerleaders? I was like, no, Where but do I you thought get if I said one or two, it wouldn't be enough. But three turns the tide in that false story. I was just thinking, where'd you get your news? <laughs> reported with that headline. All right, so clean sweep for the Titans, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Bears at the Raiders, and the Raiders are five and a half point favorites. Um, I wasn't too, well, I wasn't impressed at all with the Raiders' performance against the Chargers, but, you know, the Bears just came off a win against the Lions, which is hardly impressive. Are you happy with the line at five and a half, or do you think the Bears can do something better here? For me, I, I don't have much on this. I just can't trust the Bears or Justin Fields at this point. Um, even I don't know if he's even the starter. I, I don't still get what's going on, but he, he apparently he is the starter. It is it is going to be like yeah. the starting performance. So. I mean, we, we've gone through it a few weeks now that the rookie QBs haven't looked great, and I think this is another game where you're going to see a decent performance, but a lot of turnovers and bad throws and mistakes. And the Raiders looked decent at times. They have a good offense, so I'm going to trust the Raiders to outscore the Bears here. I think the Raiders are good. I think they've only come unstuck really against good teams. So I definitely don't wouldn't put the Bears in that category. I think they were a little bit flattered by that scoreline against the Lions when you look at the fact that the Lions failed to come away with points from three consecutive trips to the red zone on the on their three opening possessions. That game could have been very, very different had the Lions been efficient on those three opening possessions. So you know, I think the Raiders are a good team. And I think they'll win this one. I think they'll cover the spread. Yeah, I um, I don't think, I think the Raiders are fine. I just think this time around, right, with Fields starting, I think considering all the backlash about kind of the protection and schemes they're running for Fields, I think they know this time around that they have to do more for him, that more protection, more schemes to get him moving. And I think it'll happen. And I think the Bears will score points here. And I think... I think the Raiders will win, but I actually, you know, I, I think I'll take it to be a really close game. So I think I'll take the Raiders, but um, I think I'll take the, the, the kind of bears on the points really with that one. So can we just yeah. agree that the that Sam labeling the Raiders as fine might be the bitchiest comment we've had on the podcast so far? <laughs> I think the Raiders are fine. 
what's wrong with that? Should he have said sexy instead? <laughs> yeah, the Raiders are really attractive. Uh, Browns at the Chargers, and the Chargers are two-point favorites. I'll kick it off. I'm not super sold on the Browns. Uh, it just came out this week that Mayfield is playing with a torn shoulder the last three weeks, and it showed because he's playing pretty atrocious. I don't think that's naturally going to heal itself in the next three days. So I expect a, a pretty bland performance from Mayfield again. And when you couple that against the uh, man in shining armor on the other side and Justin Herbert, I think Herbert's going to outduel him. And that's a Chargers win. I keep it pretty short here. Came out this week that Mayfield has been playing with a torn shoulder, but the Browns have still been winning because their defense is really good and their running game is really good. And they absolutely shut down the Vikings last week. And I think they'll absolutely shut down the Chargers this week. So I'll take the Browns to win and the Browns with the points. Ooh, we have division. Um, I think it's an interesting matchup, right? The Chargers don't allow much passing, but they allow a fair amount of running yards. And what do the Browns do well at the moment? They run. Um, uh, the Browns also have the third ranked defense in the league at the moment. I'll take them. I'll take the Browns. I think it's a good matchup, actually. Uh, different kind of opposing styles um, with the run game of the Browns at the moment with the Mayfield injury and the way Herbert throws at the moment. I think it'll be a good matchup, but I'll take the Browns. Uh, next up, Giants at the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are seven-point favorites. I know that Frank will have a stronger opinion on this because it involves the Giants, but this is my survivor pick of the week. I think the Cowboys, they have convinced me that they are legitimate, and I think the Giants are not. I think they have elements of their game that are pretty good, but the, the Cowboys are just better across the board. So I will take the Cowboys to win and the Cowboys to cover the spread and fundamentally win the division in week five. Yeah, I agree with you. The Cowboys, I think the Cowboys are for real in general, not just winners of the NFC East. I think their offense is good enough that they could win a playoff game or two, which in the past few years, the NFC East has looked incapable of even coming close, even though they did. <laughs> um, but for me, the seven is a little much. Three of the four Cowboys games this year have been decided by seven or fewer. So... They like to play close games, but just win in shootouts. And the Giants seem to have an offense that can kind of hang around and, and play a shootout game. Daniel Jones is having a decent year. Uh, decent's a strong word, maybe, but you were going to say good. You were going to say good. I was going to say good. It to but I pulled it back. I, I have been extremely impressed with him, mostly because he stopped the turnovers. And he's been able to hit the deep ball, which the Giants haven't had a QB that could do in a long time. So um, he's one of the best throwers of the deep ball. Such a slap in the stats. face. Such a slap in the face to basically the Giants' previous quarterback, Eli Manning, who made two of the most iconic deep throws <laughs> in Super Bowl history. It's such a massive slap in the face. But those last two or three years, he was terrible at throwing the deep ball. He was worse than the NFL. 
I'll tell you what, hey, do you want to take two Super Bowls over the next five years from Daniel Jones in exchange? The last couple of years won't be great. Or <laughs> I'm not prefer- saying that. <laughs> I'm saying they're finally getting good at throwing the deep ball again. So maybe another Super Bowl is in, in the wings here. <laughs> okay. I just think the Giants will keep it close. So I'll take the Giants to cover, but the Cowboys to win. I'm... I'm I'm with the Cowboys here. I think that's that, uh, Dak Prescott's playing uh, like Sam really good football at the moment. The Cowboys. You could just lead every opening sentence with "You're with the Cowboys," and it wouldn't, re- regardless of the topic, we would know it would not be surprised. That's that's a stretch. Not having that one. But I actually think this game could be the seven. If you see my point, like I actually think the Cowboys could win this by seven. Like, I'm not sure if we're going to allow the tie, but I do really think this will be a touchdown. We we have a history of this. Frank, are you open to offering Sam, let's say, six to eight as the winning margin? And you can go for it. No, I'll offer him seven as the winning margin. (laughs) Seven and a half. We'll give you... Okay, we'll give you Cowboys minus seven and a half. Do you then take the Giants? Eight and a half. <laughs> no, that's a point you and a half just, difference. You I just want I just want the tiniest bit more cover. <laughs> like um Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll I'll take the seven and a half. I'll take the Giants, but the Cowboys to win. If you give me the seven and a half. Okay, just add a note on the spreadsheet. You've taken the the Giants plus seven point five. Do I get the Giants at plus 7.5? Would you also take that? I picked the Giants to cover. Oh, no, then. No, you didn't ask for it. <laughs> don't, don't ask, don't get Also, you're only you're only. Sam, did you just don't ask, don't tell me? <laughs> Damn right I did. Although, don't ask, don't get, I guess. Um... 49ers at the Cardinals. Cardinals are five-point favorites. I'll keep this short to four words. Can't trust Trey Lance. Cards to win, cards to cover. Niners Nation has to take the Niners. Until I until I see they're not for real, there's no chance of them being good this year. I don't know. This, this cards team, I cannot trust them. And it would be very in line with the cards we have seen in recent years that just when they're starting to convince you that they are legit, they will throw up an absolute stinker. So I'll take the Niners to win. I'll take the Niners with the points. So you're telling me you don't think the Cardinals are legitimate after beating your number one ranked team in the NFL? Convincingly? Oh, don't try and spin me on that. Don't try and spin me. You you had to You force said me. we do power rankings, and my number one power rankings is the LA Rams. Uh, yeah, pull the quote. Oh god. Um I I think in a division that's kind of this good, um, Cardinals might be sitting slightly on top of that, but I, I just think in divisional games having this kind of spread might be a little bit dangerous. So um, I think the Cardinals will win, but I'll probably take the 49ers to keep it really close. So 
yeah, I'll probably do it like that. I just think it's a bit of a tough spread for fundamentally two really good teams. So uh, maybe game of the week here. Uh, Bills at the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are three-point favorites. It is game of the week. And I genuinely do not know which way to go. There's part of me that thinks the Chiefs will see this as, I mean, we've used the phrase statement game several times over the past few weeks. This feels like it is a statement game for both of them, both for the Chiefs to reassert themselves as, I mean, they could go to top of the unofficial power rankings in this game. At the same time, the Bills could give themselves the confidence that they can beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, which I think is something that Bills need to establish. If the Bills lose this, it's going to be very difficult to believe them, believe in them, you know, several months from now when they are likely to play each other in the postseason. The thing I the issue I have is I just cannot trust this Chiefs defense. And so as good as this offense is, I just have to believe that the Bills will be able to score on virtually every possession. So I'm going to have to take the Bills to win just because until the Chiefs show me that they can stop the points from just leaking, I cannot take them against a good team. So the line for this one's 56 and a half. Like there's obviously going to be a lot of yardage in this game, right? But do you think, I mean, it's the highest line I've seen. I'd go way over. I mean, I'd be stunned if both of these, if, if you're telling me that they don't both score 30 plus points. I mean, I guess the only way I could see this going under is if the Bills' defense really shows up and this is 34-24 Bills. I mean, they've been showing up recently, right? Uh, defensively, they've been there. Yeah, they played the, play, play the fucking Texans. Yeah, against Houston, Washington, and the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Let's just see say, them. I'm just saying, they're still doing it. They're still kind of restricting Let's see points, them against right? the Dolphins. They offense, let Big but, Ben score 23. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would take walk. the over. I think I would take the over more confidently. I would take any other like money line bet or spread bet in this game. I would take the over as the most solid part of it. But I, I just, again, until I can see the Chiefs defense can stop, just not be a leaky sieve for any offense that turns up, I'm going to take the Bills. So this was the highest spread of the week. What do you think the lowest was? Highest is in, the you mean the... Highest over under. Yeah. The lowest is the Patriots for sure. It's probably like 38. I might say the lowest is the Broncos Steelers. Uh, Frank's riding pretty close. It's 39 and a half on the Patriots Texans. (laughs) What's Broncos Steelers? Texans haven't scored a touchdown in two weeks. (laughs) I'm concerned that Sam told us it was the lowest, but then he has to look up the, the other spreads. Oddly, oddly enough, like that one was 40 and a half. It's now changed to 39 and a half. Oh, so there we go. We my apologies. There is a tie. Oh, there we go. <laughs> hey, credit to us for uh, identifying the two lowest. Yeah, you found the market mover in the last hour since I looked at it. So well done. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a game for I, me. I'll go ahead. Well, I I think um, I I think this is one of those games where maybe I look past some of the stats and things like that and just think of how important it is for the Chiefs, and I just think like 
the fact that it's the night game, the fact that it's really massively important for the Chiefs to turn up and have that kind of statement, the fact that they got home field advantage. I just think that those kind of things combined will carry them over. Look, it's going to be a complete shootout in terms of like the score in the game. I, I'm just going to stick with the Chiefs. Um, I could totally see it going the other way. And the three-point line suggests that, right? But I could totally see it going the Bills, but I'll take the Chiefs. You talk about important game for the Chiefs. The Bills last year were 0-2 against the Chiefs, and that was you know their hurdle to potentially being the best team in the AFC. So you could argue that this is kind of a must win for the Bills where they can steamroll against other teams, but can they beat this team that consistently just takes them down when it really matters? So when you look at the statistics and you look at the records and the Bills are getting points, that seems like the easy bet. But there's a like the Chiefs are the Chiefs, right? And Mahomes is Mahomes and he plays great in those big matchups and those big games as a gamer the the insight i have never i mean i read a load of write-ups on this and a load of understanding give me a hard time for repeatedly saying they are who i thought they were and then you say the chief of the chiefs and mahomes is mahomes can i just i'll replace my my catchphrase with just the bears the bears wow well if the bears won big games when it mattered then they would wouldn't be the bears, but I'm going against the statistics. And I think, yeah, I just have to go Mahomes to win this in a Sunday night game. I think it'll be a shootout and Mahomes will out duel Josh Allen. All right. Well, final game Sunday brings to Monday and we've got the Colts at the Ravens and the Ravens are seven point favorites. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's me by the way but I I felt the NFL this season there's a lot less half point spreads that they're inviting a lot more of the pushes I I don't know if that's a deliberate betting not ploy or tactic but I just don't find seven and a halves six and a half fives and a halves I don't find as many of them anymore they feel like on the nose more with the kind of point value I mean that's a level of analysis we could do because we have a database of build up built up uh spreads I'll, I'll tell you what next week i'll tell you whether or not you're correct my gut instinct would tell me that you're not but i'll take the ravens i don't think the colts are very good i think these are two teams that are good at the same things and the colts the ravens are just better at them their defense is better their run game is better so i'll take the ravens to win and i'll take the ravens to cover the spread yeah, I think the Colts have a pretty good rush defense, but I think the Ravens are just much better at running the ball uh, compared to the defense. So I think it'll be a bit of an attrition game, but I think the Ravens are just better. So yeah, same for me. Ravens to win and cover. I'll take the Ravens to win, but the spread's a little much for me. I'll take the Colts to keep it within a score. All right. Well, I I rudely took away some spotlight on the um, better of the week. So uh, Eddie, over to you for better of the week. Well, it uh, was not a good week for any of us. Uh, first week with where all three of us lost. And that means that I am now down to $80,150. Sam, you are now down to 
$90,100. Oh no, I've 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 I'm now down to $60,150. I'm sorry. Sam, you're down now to $90,000 and Frank, you're now down to $45,000. There's Anne Frank again. <laughs> I don't remember what my bet of the week was last week. <laughs> Your bet of the week was you lost on Notre Dame. <laughs> it's always Can I just advise you something good. coming into this bet of the week? Just leave out college football. You've yet to pick a winner. Oh, too late. Too late. <laughs> Although I have to check. I just... No, I, I've got that wrong. I'm down to 80150 Sam... You are down. I think I'm on 100K because I think my bet was like 11,000 something. Yeah. So that's right. I've calculated it. So you are down to 100,100 and Frank, you're down to 55,000. I've subtracted the losing stake from the final stake, if you see what I mean. So Frank, seeing as you've yet to have a winning bet of the week, would you like to lead us off? Okay, well, I'm going to mostly dip into college football on this one. Uh, I was going to pick some of the teams that I think will win, but the issue I have with them is they are tough games. So, like, I do think the Chargers will beat the Browns, but it's not as if the Browns are a bad team, so that's a little risky. And the same with the Chiefs and the Bills. You know, those are toss-up games. So I'm going to try and play a little more conservative here. I'm going to keep my toss-up games to the college football where I'm going to go Oklahoma over Texas in the Red River shootout, which I'll get into in a minute about the Red River shootout. Penn State over Iowa, number three versus number four at Iowa. That should be a good matchup. And then on Sunday, I'm just going to take the Saints over Washington. And that pays 4.7. And I will go... With fifteen thousand on that, he's bleeding cash. I'll just say this, Frank: if you lose this one, or, or you're done from college football, can I just say you're done? <laughs> All right, I guess um, I guess I'll go next. So um, I've got uh, the Vikings money line. Bucks money line, the Patriots money line, the Cowboys money line, even though it's close. And then I got England, so international football, obviously this weekend, no Premier League, but I've got England minus two away to Andorra at four to 11. Stole that, that pays, from me. Stole that. that. Totally stole that from me. To one. Totally stole it. Yeah. I think it's a crazy bet. I do yeah. agree with you that England minus two at four to 11, kind of insane odds, but you completely were influenced by me on that one. And you know it. Don't try and look at me with that guilty face. What do you mean? I just looked at the football. You both know that we had the discussion about just the over two and a half goals in that game and being two to nine and it being insane. Anyway, my bet of the week will be the Titans, the Cowboys, the Pats, and the Bucks. All money line pays 2.87, and I will stick 10,150 virtual dollars on it. Yeah, I don't think I actually gave you a stake, did I? <laughs> so I'll do 15,100 on. So that takes me down to 85. Nice. Still ahead of Frank, even if he wins. 
Any other topics from the week? Yeah, so I mentioned the Red River Shootout, which is the annual game between Texas and Oklahoma. They've been playing since 1900. I thought I'd see if you guys can guess any of the other teams playing in games that have like significance or like a name to them in college football. So unfortunately, the Red River Shootout is the one most people know. How about the Iron Bowl? Want to take a guess at what two college football teams play in the Iron Bowl? Isn't that uh, Alabama and Auburn? Yes, correct. Nice job. How about the Bedlam Bowl? Uh, Bethlehem. I'll go somewhere in the Northeast. Is that, is that wrong straight off the bat? Yeah. No idea then. The Bedlam Bowl is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. How about the Civil War Bowl? Mississippi, Mississippi State. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. No, it's in the same state, but wrong state. It's actually Oregon, Oregon State is the Civil War Bowl. How does that work? Why? I thought I would have thought like Virginia they just, or something like that. Did it but... exist as a state and people went to fight for different sides or something? No, I think it's like a civil war within the. I think it's just like oh, within okay. the state, not linked. You know, like not linked Oregon to the Oregon civil state. war. No, <laughs> I think that's right, how about this one? You might be able to get war there. the duel in the desert. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State. Yes, very nice. How about? The Sunflower Showdown. Would you like to be playing in a game called the Sunflower Showdown? Idaho? Kansas, Kansas State. Wow. How about, this is a good one, the Holy War. (laughs) Notre Dame? Is Notre Dame one of them? Notre Dame. Against? Holy War. Can't think who their rivalry game is against. Where's Notre Dame based again? Ah, doesn't what? Where are they based? Notre Dame. I can hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps cutting out. <laughs> Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> are you asking what state they're in or what conference they're in he means what he means what state they're in so, South Bend, Indiana it was it was the glazed face <laughs> like I, I have no concept of what you're talking about it was like watching a politician get asked a question he doesn't know the answer to sorry I can't hear you oh. um, Notre Dame against I can't think of who the are other they, team is. Are they be. always like local games? No. Because I would have thought Holy War. It, it could be like one of the other like religious schools, like, you know, like Mormons in Utah. BYU. <laughs> <Give me. laughs> no, that would be pretty good. It's Notre Dame versus Boston College. Oh. How about, I'll give you one more. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, 
<laughs> Who thinks of those? Uh, LSU Tulane. You're in the right area, but wrong states. Uh, Georgia. Georgia versus another state. University of Florida. Yes. Georgia versus Florida is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Called that because there used to be massive tailgates, but then they took that name away because of the drinking. Also why they took Red River shootout, the shootout part out because of gun violence. It's now the Red River rivalry. (laughs) The world's largest cocktail party sounds relatively sophisticated. It doesn't make me think of tailgates. It sounds as if people are going to get together for some sort of organized drinking, quite nice affair. Now, to go back to the Red River Shootout, it's played annually at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas during the State Fair of Texas. So this week, right now, you have the State Fair of Texas going on, which boasts an annual attendance of over 2 million visitors. And it's the biggest state fair in all of America. The fair is known for its unique high-fat foods. (laughs) So let me read a few of these and you tell me what you think. So you have corn dogs, which is the staple. That's like if you go to the Texas State Fair, you have to have, they call them corny dogs, not corn dogs. But you have to have a corny dog. I think Sam ate his first cor- corn dog on Saturday on Sunday. You were dangerously close. <laughs> I actually did. You're correct. And then afterwards, he ate a corn dog. <laughs> I was kind of underwhelmed by them. Deep fried Oreos, deep fried Twinkies, deep fried s'mores, deep fried pork ribs, deep fried cheesecake, deep fried butter. Fried avocados, fried alligator, deep fried peanut butter, jelly, and banana sandwiches. And most recently, a batter-based fried (laughs) Coca-Cola. So I think I could try all of those aside from the deep fried butter, which might be delicious because like butter doesn't taste bad. It's just the concept of eating just deep fried butter just sounds... It sounds like you've reached the bottom of your life. Like you in get that it on order. a stick. That kind of makes it more depressing somehow if it's served to you on a stick. <laughs> so if they just hand it to you, you're fine. <laughs> no, of course you, you get like a serviette or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to be destroying your body, you might as well just have it thrown at the outside of it anyway. So yeah, the- I think aside, aside from the butter and the Coca-Cola, I think I would probably... If you ordered me, I'd give it, ordered it for me, I would give it a try. So the, the fair has the, the culmination of these disgusting foods is the Big Tex Choice Award. So every year people enter these crazy foods to get voted. I'll give you this year's con- contenders. And I actually have pictures and you can tell me what you think. But here are just some of the previous winners over the past few years. The cotton candy taco, the funnel cake bacon queso burger, funnel, uh, fried jello, Fernie's holy moly carrot cake rolly, 
the smoky bacon margarita, the deep fried Cuban roll, the fried Thanksgiving dinner, and the fried bacon cinnamon roll have been some of your previous winners. Now, I will share my screen and I'll, we'll put them also up on our social medias, the this year's contestants for the Texas Fair Big Tex Choice winners. All right. Can you see the first one? No. <laughs> uh, no. What about now? Now yeah. I can see three deep balls. Deep fried seafood yes. gumbo balls from Gourmet are- Royale. Deep fried seafood gumbo balls. They're loaded with Gulf Coast shrimp, stewed chicken, blue crab meat, and andouille sausage. Rolled in saltine crackers, breadcrumb butter, then fried with an explosion of flavor. Yes or no? Uh, probably, probably good. Yeah. I Sam doesn't eat good. seafood, so he's going to say no. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pass. It aesthetically looks good, but I'll pass. What did you just say? Aesthetically. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Aesthetically. What is that, a possum? How, it's an oh. armadillo. This oh, is the okay. deep fried armadillo cookie butter ice cream sandwich. Made from scratch cookie butter, uh, drizzled with more cookie butter, and sandwiched between two deep fried armadillo shaped cookies. That's probably good. Yeah, it's probably, probably I can probably I can probably eat one of them off. and yeah I can probably eat one of them and I'd be done with it but I would enjoy the experience. How about the brisket brittle? Does it That's need to be rich, in the buttery, crunchy, <laughs> sweet deliciousness of an old-fashioned peanut brittle? Peanut brittle with the peanuts replaced with smoky goodness of Texas brisket. <laughs> no, I'm out. Awful. I'm out. Yeah, that does not that's sound third good. at the moment. How about this is a good one. Pork shots. Wrapped sausage with delicious hickory smoked bacon, which forms a tiny bowl. And this savory taste bud teaser is filled with everyone's favorite creamy mac and cheese. The outside is then sprinkled with a secret sweet spicy barbecue rub to finalize this perfect fair food to share item. That's probably really good. That's probably think, awesome. I think <laughs> Sausage, that's bacon, mac and cheese. I probably don't want it described to me, but it's really good, I bet. Fernie's fried toffee crunch cake. That just looks pretty standard dessert. Oh, wow. Basic, Fernie. <laughs> yeah. Texas pumpkin poke cake just looks like a Texas pumpkin cake. Pretty basic. By Michelle Edwards. Do better, Michelle. The Lucky Duck Dumpling. So that's a delectable pastry filled with delicious combination of rich, fluffy cream cheese blended with succulent duck, bacon, and delicately roasted sweet corn. Um, I mean, it's basically a duck empanada, right? I, it, yeah. It, yeah. There's nothing, groundbreak- <laughs> there's nothing groundbreaking there. It might be no. all right. This one sounds pretty good. This is crispy, crazy corn put in by Ruth Haunts. 
they take whole kernel corn and individually batter and fry them. So each piece of corn is fried. Then they're topped with slow smoked pulled pork with pineapple slaw with a drizzle of freshly made jalapeno crema and fresh cilantro. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always wanted to make corn unhealthy and they've nailed it. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. I would be willing to try it. And how about this last one that is diabetes on a donut? Here. No, I can see the picture and I don't want any part of it. <laughs> that is a deep fried Halloween. It's a chewy. delicious, large, chewy pretzel that is dropped in the fryer. They then bathe it in candy corn syrup, followed by rainbow sprinkles, powdered sugar. Now the fun begins, they say, piping in orange and white buttercream icing then stacking M&M's, Reese's Pieces, mini Twix, Oreos, cookie crumbles, and candy corn on the top. Also topped with a marshmallow whipped cream and Reese's peanut butter cup as the crown. Could it's you not my eat type. that? No, it's not my type of food anyway. I also think candy corn is really gross. So I'm out just because of the, um, the significance of the candy corn in the recipe. But it's also just like candy corn aside, not my type of thing. Yeah, that just sounds too sweet. That's like sugar overload. So those are this year's contestants for the Tex, uh, the Big Tex Choice Awards. I think the bacon wrap thing wins. Can't even remember anymore. But that I think the macaroni the por- cheese wrapped in bacon. Yeah, the pork shots. I, th- I thought the pork shots, which is mac pork and cheese. Pork shots. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Sam wants a pork shot. The crispy crazy corn could be interesting just because I'd want to taste what individual corn kernels all deep fried taste like. Well, here's the thing is I would be impressed if they are – I'm sure they'll be connected. As in I'm sure they'll, they're dipping and mixing the corn in the batter and then they're throwing that in to the fryer so that they – because even if they're throwing them in individually, they will congeal. <laughs> That's like just watching someone at the fair drop them in one by one. No, but you know what I mean? Even if you were (laughs) dropping them in by one one by one, they would congeal in the fryer. You would have to actually fry them separately. So you saying the word congeal kind of puts me off that now. (laughs) Well, there you go. Ruined it for you. But I bet you it tastes good. Do they have state fair like events? In England, similar. Yeah, f- we have like county fates. fairs. Yeah, you have county fairs and things like that where they kind of. But it's mainly. It's but if you want like to eat what you've just described, you just go to Scotland. Deep fry everything. <laughs> I mean, no, you do. Like just deep fry everything. Yeah, you um, want something deep fried? They pioneered yeah. that. Deep fried Mars bar, that kind of stuff. Deep fried yes. pizza. That's that's Scotland. That uh, deep fried Cadbury's cream egg is another favorite of the Scottish. Eddie loves the Cadbury cream egg. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but yeah, it's grown on me over over time. I will say, I at least find them edible now. I was not on board with them at all for the longest time. I could at least eat one now. If you gave me one, and the expectation was that I would eat it, I would do so, but. Ten years ago, I would have thrown it on the wall. 
<laughs> Here you go, Eddie. <laughs> a simple no would have sufficed, yeah, Eddie. Yeah, simple simple no, I'll give it to someone else. No, I'm making sure no one else gets this. You have to splatter my wall with your cream. <laughs> I'll leave that there. That's what you said after you threw that very egg on the wall. On, on that note, on that note, are we done? <laughs> yeah, we're done. That's what you said after you threw that Cadbury egg on the wall. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's all I had. Big game in college football though, Penn State Iowa. This could be a very good day for Penn State, or we could hear our friend Furlong. Wait, that's screaming. Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. Not tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah just you made it sound as if yeah, it was tonight. Well, I figured this would be released on Saturday. So. Oh, now we're trying to time the content <laughs> yeah. based on okay. That's going to make our Thursday night picks become very complicated. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I guess I'll talk to you boys later. See ya. Cheerio.